Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I wanted to talk a little bit on uh, community this morning, and I think it's perfect timing, right? Because uh, we just are reminded recently of the blessing of community, and uh, I've loved the series on what works. Uh, I've personally found it really uh, like revolutionary for my life. Uh, and uh, I, it's kind of, it's been good. I've had to go back and reflect on and kind of change some of the things uh, that, I'm, uh, that I'm doing. And I've noticed fruit already, uh, which is cool, right? I don't know if you, hopefully you've also noticed fruit. Um, but one of the things... Uh, that, that happened was after the first week uh, of the Sabbath series, Pastor Jono uh, talked about Sabbath as part of our series, and um, I just felt challenged to go home and make a decision not to charge my phone next to my bed, right? Because what would happen is in the morning, my alarm was on my phone, and so my phone would go off, and I'd like, you know how you do, like, like in the kind of like, you're just like fumbling around for it, and then it's in your hand, Right, and you've turned off your phone, and then the first thing I would do is like, oh, someone sent me a message, or you know, read the news, or check the weather, or check Facebook. Let's be honest, or you know, one of those kind of things. And and I felt like 15 minutes would go by, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, hey, like running late, or uh, feeling like I've just started my life with that kind of thing is the immediate first thought. And so I thought, okay, actually I don't want that to be the first thing that I do in my day. Uh, so I had to do a little bit of groundwork. In fact, I've got an amazing husband, so he did the groundwork, actually, for me, which is awesome. He bought me an alarm clock. It's a great decision. It's a fancy one where you have to talk to, except she's a bit hard of hearing, so you have to yell at it to say, like, okay, Google, turn off. And it's like, oh, yeah. So Timo's also been waking up at the same time that the alarm clock is going off because I'm yelling at Google to turn off. Um, but it's really good, right? Because my phone is downstairs, which means it's not the last thing I look at at the end of the night. And also, it means it's not the first thing, right? On my first day of it doing it, I actually left my phone at home and had to go back to it for work, right? Like, to, went to school and then realized I didn't have it. But it was quite refreshing. And I've found, actually, the fruit of that is, is been some really nice time first thing in the morning. I, we've, we've moved house and we live in the spot where you can do this little walk. It's a good, like, get your heart rate up because it's basically straight up a hill. But there's a spot where you can look out over the city. And it takes me about 10 minutes to walk there and about 6 minutes to walk home, right? But it's like the time that I had to look at my phone has shifted to time that I go for this walk. Uh, and it's awesome. Caleb and I kind of take turns to do that. Um, but, but it's such a refreshing space. And for me, like, just this challenge and this thought about, like, actually, what works? What is the stuff that I want to be putting into my life? Has, I, I'm noticing the fruit, right? Like, I, I'm still on the journey of working through it, but I feel like there's something that shifted for me. And I want to ask you, what, what are the things that you've been practicing based on this series? What's, what's the challenge that's been kind of the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit has prompted for you? How has the series shifted things? Or how are you intending that it will shift things, right? Because sometimes we have to do little actions to make it work and things, and it's not always as simple as being like, cool, I'll just get up earlier, especially like on the first week of daylight saving. Yeah. 
<laughs> We're all going to be like squeezing to get to school on time or to work on time. But, but something uh, hopefully for you has been prompted. Lots of things. So these challenges to think about, what is the stuff that I'm putting in my life? Where is the space, the Sabbath that I'm having? Where am I connected uh, to the vine? What is the things uh, that I'm doing uh, that I loved? Uh, Pastor May is in her first the first one we talked about, just that whole challenge of like, in the moment, it's hard to make these decisions. But in the pre-time, as we uh, spend the time with God before, actually that retrains our body so that in the moment, we respond in the way that we want to. And man, that's been like, it's great for me because I'm like, God, what are you wanting to work on me in this moment so that later when I'm under pressure, I will respond the way I want to, yeah? And it's good because I have a little bit of reflection looking out over the city helps me to think, okay, God, actually, I, these areas, I want you to move. I want you to bring transformation and I, I've started to listen to the book that Pastor John has been talking about, and it's kind of uh, by John Mark Comer, so The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is this book. And I, I read this quote, and, and I think it helped me to really capture the key thoughts of the series, and I just wanted to read it to you. It says this, Jesus never commands you to wake up in the morning and have a quiet time, to read your Bible, to live in community, to practice Sabbath, to give your money to the poor, or any of the core practices from his way. He just does these practices and then says, follow me. Apprentice under me. Read the Gospels as a way to learn the way of Jesus. Just that thought alone, man, as I've been reading uh, my Bible this week, I'm like, man, God, I want to actually learn your way. What do you do? How do you respond in these situations? Copying the details of his life taking the template of his day-to-day -day life as my own. And soon after Jesus teaches about the vine and the branches that uh, Pastor Maya talked about in our first week, uh, he goes on to encourage his followers to follow the example he's been setting, uh, to remain connected to him, the true vine, and to follow the things that they have seen him doing. And so I want to continue in John 15, verse 12 to 17. It says this, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, to love each other. See, for Jesus, friendship is an ultimate relationship with God and with one another. And Jesus encourages us to love each other as he has loved us. Now, that's a pretty high standard, right? <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, he loved us enough to give his life for us. And we may not have to die for somebody else, but we can practice sacrificial love in our lives. Sacrificial love takes sacrifice to listen, to help one another, to encourage people. Man, I've been reminded and challenged this week like, of how powerful encouragement is, right? Just some, I don't know about you, but often I think people are awesome in my head. 
and I like, I'm like, that person is awesome, or that, that was really cool, and then I'm trying to train myself to let that out, right, like that thought, because it's often the stuff that you don't like, that is the thing that comes out, so it's cool to train yourself to be like, man, I want to be encouraging, I want to be known for the encouragement rather than the, the other, yeah, giving is sacrificial love, If we take Jesus' commandment to love seriously, and if we long to be called a friend by him, then our calling is to give love freely and generously. And see, we're made from community. We've got a triune God, three but one, uh, for community. God didn't create community. He is community. When you look at the Godhead, the Son, uh, the Father, and the Spirit, they work together. They submit to one another, and each has their role, and they don't fight for that power. There's a connection, and Christian community is simply sharing a common life in Jesus. See, the last season, right, we've had a reduced level of social contact, and we've had to remain in our homes, and some of us are like completely isolated, some of us are with our families or with our flatmates, but there's been restrictions on our ability to connect. We couldn't share meals, it's tricky, right? you have to like sanitize all of the time, couldn't see your friends, enjoy happy times together, maybe you marked birthdays without being able to see your friends and family. I know some people celebrated weddings, right, with limited contact, uh, limited numbers, or or you had to grieve the loss of a family member or a friend uh, without being able to really say farewell. And the restrictions have lifted, and thankfully there's less sickness around. And so we were able to, to return to a space of kind of less limited connection, And see, I think that that's something shifting, you know, and I want to talk a little bit more about this, but I love that community moves us beyond the isolation of our private lives and beyond superficial connection. See, the biblical idea of Christian community instead is to commit ourselves to doing life together as the people of God. Henry Nguyen uh, believed that community is best understood as a quality of the heart. He wrote this, The word community has many connotations, some positive and some negative. Community can make us think of like a safe togetherness, um, of shared meals, of common goals and joyful celebrations. Uh, But it can also cause uh, call forth images of exclusivity, in-group language, self-satisfied isolation, and romantic naivety. However, community is, first of all, a quality of the heart. It grows from the spiritual knowledge that we are alive not only for ourselves, but for one another. Community is the fruit of our capacity to make the interests of others more important than our own. It's a pretty awesome but challenging thought, right? That actually as we commit to community with one another, we choose to put the needs of other people as as our own and in that way we can follow the the footsteps of Jesus or follow the example that he gave us. And the Bible gives us lots of verses about this. So I just wanted to kind of read a few to you. But it says uh, this in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, 
not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And you might have heard people talking about that whole together, together, right? It's the same word repeated twice. And that whole sense of like to being together, together. Because you can be in the same environment as someone, but not be together. And so pursuing that idea of unity, pursuing that idea of connection, uh, and wrestling with those things, because community is tricky, Right, we're all imperfect people. Someone, someone once said to me, if you're looking for the perfect church, you should just leave because as soon as you come, it's imperfect, right? <laughs> and that, they were talking about me, but I, you know, we can all take that thought, right? If we're looking for something perfect, the tricky thing is we're not. And there's kind of a freedom in the thought that no church is perfect, no people are perfect, but we have to work with this together. Romans 12, verse 4 and 5 says this, For just, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belong to all the others. And there's heaps of things you can draw out about that idea of a, of a body, but I, I don't want to go into that too deeply today, but I want to encourage you, right, that bodies function because all of the members are present. Yeah, And if you don't have all of the bits, something's wrong. You're limited in what you can do. But actually, there's such power when we come together. And I love that we don't all have to be the same. I love that we're all different, that each of us bring different gifts, that we bring a different expression of God's love into this environment. And that, that that's awesome, that as we come together, there's a richness because of the diversity of who we are. And talking about the early church in Acts verse 2, uh, 43 to 47, it says this. Everyone around was in awe. All the wonderful, all the one, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived together in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. I love the thought with the early church that the thing that distinguished them was their love for each other. Right, that that's what drew people to them was the sense of community that they had that the needs were met by the people who were there. And that's a powerful example, right? It's a powerful challenge to us to consider that. How do we live in community? How do we live in a way that, that creates a space where people want to be a part of it? Where people want to come and, and know what's going on, where we get our needs met, but we also meet the needs of other people, uh, my thoughts this morning, one of the thoughts I wanted to bring is that community provides strength. In Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 to 12, it says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? 
A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Isolation is incredibly dangerous. I don't know about you, but I don't cope well personally in isolation. I'm too much of an extrovert. But, but I know that, 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 you know that the enemy, he can try and kind of get us away. Right, what happens is that he doesn't want us to be in community, to connect with one another, to be encouraged by one another. And so there's this challenge, right, that we have to work in that space, but know that there's a strength that comes in community. Uh, there's a whakatoki, and it says this, Ehara takutoa i te toa takatahi, engari he toa takatini, which is, uh, my strength is not as an individual, but as a collective. Another definition is my strength is not due to me alone, but due to the strength of many. Community provides strength. Community also provides belonging. Uh, And at times our understanding of, of church and Christianity has been that if you behave right, then maybe you can come to church. Like there's these set rules, you have to behave in a certain way, and then we'll let you into church. Uh, and then, and then uh, you can um, come and you can believe the gospel. So you can come and you can hear the gospel. And once you do that, then you can belong. And you can be a member of our church, uh, and that's how it works. So that there's like this behave, you behave right, then you believe, and then you can belong. But when I see Jesus' life and the way he purposefully reached out to others, uh, who, uh, to people who others wouldn't, people like the Samaritan woman at the well, people like lepers and the blind, demon-possessed people and the woman caught in adultery, and the sinful woman who anointed his feet, it seems to starkly contrast the idea that people have to get it right first. Jesus lets these individuals know that they belonged, that he loved them regardless of their behavior and the sin and the choice to follow him or not. One of the most powerful verses in Mark 10, 21, it says, uh, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus is talking about an encounter with the rich young ruler who chose money over following Jesus. Even knowing the outcome, Jesus still loved him and had compassion for him. And that's what he calls us to do. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me, Matthew 25, verse 40. See, what happened is when there was this sense of belonging, uh, that it naturally, something that naturally flowed from receiving the unconditional love of God is that people believed They didn't have to believe in Jesus before they were shown his love and compassion. Rather, they believed because of it. A natural response to having your sins forgiven and being loved in a way that no person could ever get right is placing your faith in Jesus and making a commitment to follow him. And only after the belonging and the believing comes the third step, the behaving Because I belonged, it led me to believe. Because I believed, I'm going to start modeling my behavior 
on the examples of Jesus. I'm going to become an apprentice of his way. And I love that the Holy Spirit enables us and helps us to follow the example that Jesus gives. He challenges my pride and my self-seeking, my sin, and he enables us to be more patient, more gentle, more loving, more kind, more joyful, self-controlled. You can list all of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Yeah? But there's that sense that actually the Holy Spirit working in us is the thing. And, and our behavior should see us welcoming others into the community with the same invitation and acceptance that we've first received. See, when we look at what Jesus modeled, he's always looking for people on the edge of the community, the sinners, the sick, and accepting and drawing them in. See, when God calls you, he'll draw those who need Jesus to you. And and the thing is, that the people uh, who need connection are not always the really obvious ones. Loneliness, isolation, a lack of deep connection can be a challenge that faces us all. And see, the incredible gift of this Christian community that we're a part of is the connection, the love, the care that we have for each other because of God's love for us. Community provides belonging. I wonder if the team you guys can come. See, the tricky thing is, right, is that we think of, we have this model of exactly what it should look like, but structure's not the point. The relationships are the point. And we can live together as the people of God and as God wants us to do in a great variety of ways. Ways that strengthen rather than disrupt our jobs, our families, and the other commitments we've already made under God's guidance. The good news is that community is a gift God offers to pour out love on us all. It's interesting, this week I looked around in nature, and it really feels like the seasons have changed. I know about you, my mum and dad, we picked them up from the airport and we were driving down Dean's Road or whatever that one is, where the blossoms are on Hagley Park. We stopped and we'd take photos, you know, like with a million other people. Um, but it was also like, it, it like felt like, man, something has changed. Something has shifted. Uh, we, we went out to Godly Head and um, there were these like little lambs you just drive through the fields and these like, they're just frolicking right by the car, like, and not trying to, you know, trying to avoid them. Uh, and, and something has shifted. Something's changed. You know, in, in, this, in the natural, we see it coming to spring. But I think something has shifted in the spiritual as well. And Caleb and I were talking about a headline that he'd seen in the media. Uh, and it said this, that the President of the United States declares that the pandemic is over. It's a pretty powerful statement. And in New Zealand, there are still people who are contracting COVID for the first time and those who are still unwell. But it feels like something has changed. It's a new season, a time of less restriction, a freedom to connect again, to enjoy time with friends and family in warmer weather. And living in community is something that all of us are responsible for. 
As a church, we can organise events and create spaces like e-groups and Sundays for us to connect. But as Henry Nguyen said, community is the fruit of our capacity to make the interests of others more important than our own. As we have found belonging, so we can help others to belong. And it's interesting, right? Because the desire to connect uh, has increased, but not just inside the church. Uh, So we were speaking uh, to one of the dads at the family fun night last night, uh, and he's uh, an engineering lecturer at uh, the University of Canterbury. And he said uh, some interesting observations. The first one is this. He said the average rate of attendance in lectures is currently higher than it was in pre-COVID times. Which is an interesting thought. Like before COVID happened, they were seeing this level and actually they're seeing higher attendance now than then. The second thing he said is that he found that there was a real desire to be present in things like assessments. The UC engineering department, they offered students to choose between completing an assessment at home and completing it all together in a lecture theatre. Uh, And it was a huge risk for the uni to offer to be able to have it at home uh, because it's tricky to stop people from cheating. But they found that the students wanted to be in the room together. That was the choice that the students made. In preparing for this message, I felt like God wanted to provide an opportunity for healing. For some of us, we've carried pain from disappointment, hurt, or ways where community has let us down. For others, while I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has been highlighting an apprehension or an anxiety to connect again. In prayer meeting on Monday, uh, we were praying uh, for community and for connection. And for me, I I saw just like this picture of, of the city and it was like this heaviness lifting, like a joy returning. The community, that connection, that relationship. And uh, so the team, you guys can come. Can you stand with me? I love that God has brought us together. Even if you're new, right? I love that God is so intentional about the ways that he brings us together. And I love that there's power in our connection that there's strength in the community that exists, that there's an ability for us to spur one another on. I love that I'm surrounded by ladies in my e-group who care about the day-to-day parts of my life, who understand and and I can do the same for them. And I want to encourage us, right, that there's, I don't want to give you a list of things I want you to do, but I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. Maybe for you, it's recognizing, actually, I feel like I'm disappointed, that I I wanted community and I didn't find it, and actually, I'm a bit hurt to go again. Or or maybe it is that that you've felt loss, that people that you were close to have moved away and that there's a grief for you. This morning, I believe God wants to heal that. That for some of us, maybe it's just that actually I want, I want that, that to go again. God, I'm believing for great friends. I'm believing for great relationships. And I want someone to stand with me and pray with me this morning. We're going to open the, the altar down the front. There's a space. We'd love to be able to pray for people this morning. But also I, I want the Holy Spirit. I'm believing that he's going to speak right now. Just wherever you are, if you just want to close your eyes, just right now in this moment. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to put something on your heart 
this week that you can do. Maybe it's sticking around after the service and having a conversation. Maybe it's inviting a friend for coffee. Maybe it's making a meal for someone you know who's struggling. Maybe it's just opening up with a text on the phone this week. But I believe as we give the Holy Spirit space that He's going to prompt us this morning and give us things to do. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 